Hey guys, so we've been doing some exclusive webinars with Ben Patrick, talking a lot of mindset, skill sets that we don't necessarily hear about from Ben uh, through social media, etc. We've been working on those things one-to-one -one inside of the Real Movement community and it's been amazing. I guess uh, I feel a little guilty that that's not getting out to a wider group. So I'm going to open up some of these uh, calls that we're doing, these exclusive coach development calls, athlete development calls um, to a wider audience. So today's call with Ben, we went through uh, why glute made work is not necessarily uh, that useful and why it's not done in the ATG facility. It's also not something that I have used and, and something that I haven't recommended uh, for athletes that I work with. We've also covered uh, glute bridges and a bit of the same scenario and then there's a lot more to go on after that uh, i think that there is a revolution happening in performance coaching and if you're not tuning in you're really getting further and further behind there are many many coaches who are jumping on uh, this bandwagon and i think it's a good one to be jumping on um, we want you to experiment we want you to think i think that this episode is going to encourage a lot of new insight and thought for yourself if you enjoy it, let me know. If you'd like these episodes to continue to go public, let me know. If you want to get involved and actually be inside of this community together with myself and Ben to improve standards in coaching around the world, then become a part of Real Movement. There's a couple of different options there. None of them are out of reach for anyone who has a job or anyone who really wants to have a future in performance coaching. We can work with you to get you to where you want to be, to help you to be a world-leading coach there's a massive need for it in the world right now, but you got to step up, you got to make decisions, and you got to back those decisions with massive action. So if you want to do that, reach out right, after so the episode here. All right, so yeah, first go with this uh, kind of Q&A format. It's exciting to have a crack at. One of the questions, which I think is a good one and, and comes up a bit from uh, time to time, is uh, a glute mead. And uh, so the question is reverse step-ups. I find they show up weak glute mead and instability – to, you know, inability to keep the knee tracking. Um, do you recommend focused exercises for this or will they just simply improve by doing volume of step-ups? Uh, and there's kind of a follow-up question to that, but it's a lot similar. I'll, I'll go to that one next. Um, excellent question. Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing myself. For myself, personally, I noticed it in, in basketball. My left leg was my predominant jumping leg. So I noticed that when I started doing reverse step-ups on my right leg, my glute med would start to burn out. And I was like, what the heck? And, and whenever I would practice jumping off my right leg, my glute med would be sore. So I, I clearly had a deficiency there, but it's just gone away by itself. So I personally always try to operate on making things simpler. So I don't have people do extra glute med work, but clearly because of that, you know, if you have an athlete who, who's imbalanced, then it would make sense that glute med work could help. I've just personally found that, that the step-ups themselves, all that time spent on one leg tends to fix it. Um, but as you can see, it maybe if someone wanted a faster result or things of that nature, I don't really, I never got into the glute med work, but if someone's an expert of that, then it seems like it would help. It's also, you know, a big thing that Pollock principle is like, be standing for standing athletes, you know, and I, I feel like there's always going to be diminishing returns for side clams and stuff like that. Like if, if, if the muscle will not activate, then, you know, doing some inner range activation stuff 
um, you know, kind of makes some sense. But the, the people have gone nuts with the, you know, the lateral banded walks and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, my, my, my feeling is also that you're going to get that work by doing what you need to do. I think this, you know, the sled work like also has its place there. And if you carry, yep. you know, yep. that's the muscle in action and you are getting it through range of motion through things like your, you know, your split squats or, um, especially the, the, you know, if you look at the loading also like on the Patrick step ups or Peterson step ups, like you, you've got body weight plus the weight on the bar, you know, how do you get that sort of load into a little elastic band? Is that going to compare? You know what I mean? Like where you've got, you yeah. know, two, two and a half times body weight. Um, makes sense. Yeah. So for me, for me, I lived that world. So I did millions of those, all this lateral stuff. I mean, I've done as much lateral stuff probably in a, in a two year span as anyone who's ever lived. I did. Cause I do everything pretty much to an extreme, whatever I try. Yeah. So I've lived that world and now, I've also lived this world with the step-ups and, and I've been religiously dedicated to these step-ups, even making different forms of them and, and just, you know, obsessed and consistent with these step-ups. And that for me has worked better while giving me the added benefit of crazy strong feet, no more plantar fasciitis, Achilles problems, shin splints, knee problems. So it's, it's just been a more bang for the buck weapon for me. But as you said, and as I also said is, you know, maybe if an athlete starts out with a real, you know, issue with it, maybe even mentally for them, they would feel better if in those beginning stages, if they were doing, you know, some isolated work for that. But again, from training athletes month after month, year after year, we haven't seen that it like remains a problem from not directly training it. So a lot of times with a question like that, if I'm making, you know, as much or even more results than I hope for, well, then I'm sure as heck not going to add something to that that's something I kind of live by is that additives tend to actually make things worse. And, you know, the, the simpler you can get it, the better. And if you do have that really detrained client and you've only got so much training volume and so much time with them and so much inflammation you want to cause something that's helping them to go up and downstairs versus laying on your side and, and, and doing something or shuffling sideways, like bang for buck as well. You know, like if, um, in terms of, you know, getting them to be able to activities of daily living, like you want to be fairly specific to their activities of daily living, like what's going to help them not break their hip. Most probably carrying a little bit of weight up the stairs, you know, if you can condition them to be able to do that, you know, with strength, like if we are extrapolating way back to a really deconditioned, unstable person, like seems as though the Patrick step up is still going to be a winner, you know? Yeah, it's definitely going to be bang for your buck. And I ran into a little issue with all the lateral resisted stuff in athletes, my, myself and many other athletes tw getting tweaks in the inner hip flexor and groin area, because what you're doing with those exercises, you're strengthening the outer glute, but the band itself pulls your, your groin together. So you almost end up with like an un underdeveloped adductors, really weak groin and hip flexors. So I did away with those and kind of made it policy in my gym, not to allow banded stuff simply because you're developing an imbalance of those outer, you know, glute area versus the inner part. And, and so like with the ATG split squat and seated good morning and weighted butterflies, I find that that stuff combined with, you know, your, your reverse step ups, things like that, you, you get a really nice combination to the whole thing. 
not to mention athletes tend to be really tight in the piriformis area and adding more banded work for those glute med can do more harm than good in terms of tightening it up. And, and, and your gar hammer raises as well can really hit some of that yeah. inner range sort of hip flexor adductor type stuff as well. So yeah, that's, that's a nice perspective as well that you're starting to play with fire of causing imbalances around the hip rather than yeah. you know, your other exercises are almost inherently going to make sure you don't build those imbalances. Like, Yeah. And, and again, I, I find it's even worse of a problem of being too weak on the inside of the hip in the groin and adductor than it is on the outside because most athletes are, are totally untrained in that, you know, hip flexor groin adductor area. So at my gym, yes, I did make a policy. No, no banded lateral work. Yeah. I like, I understand, like, it's good that you sort of, your first answer is fairly non-dogmatic of like, if you think it's going to be good, then good. But like, we also want to know what's working, you know, what's, you know, what you've yeah. gone to and it's not like you haven't tried that other stuff. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I've also went through phases with it and yeah, just didn't, didn't see that. Um, yeah. That so that was a, re- so that was a really good question. And as you can see, I'm not condemning it, but you would want to limit it to a beginning stage and you know, there may be better, more bang for the buck options when it comes to addressing your whole health, because to fix one week glute meat, you might actually do more harm than good. So what's our next question? Just, just that very last thought there, like, is the adductor injury is so much more common as well. And guys having chronic adductor injuries, you know, the insertional groin pain and getting adductor releases and that sort of stuff. You'll see that much more in running athletes. I know know Ben's not necessarily referring to running athletes, but, like that is something to keep in mind because maybe this phase and craze of like everybody needs to be doing a ton of this, you know, in a range, you know, it could be something yep. that contributes, you know, you're kind of mapping out how that could be contributing to more adductor surgeries and more adductor tendinopathies and that sort of thing, which are not uncommon to see. And all those little groin and hip flexor tweaks, which yeah. I see are just so common now. Yeah. 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 Next question. Um, Seems like he doesn't focus on glute exercises like hip thrusts, banded exercises. I'm guessing that these exercises are more beneficial at uh, strength. I'm guessing his exercises are more beneficial at strengthening glute med when coached correctly. So I think we're sort of jumping. uh, I want to take this more to glute max discussion. Yeah, yeah. It was the second half to his question, but I think the hip thrust is almost like a separate thing to address. Yes, hip, hip thrust is definitely a second thing to address. And again, to start with the to start with the similar with the with a less you know attacking <laughs> approach, I would just say that I prefer seated good morning to hip thrust because of that absolutely superb mobility and lower back strength that you get from it. Now diving deeper. I also lived the hip thrust and I was amazing at it and could do all this stuff with hip thrust and I still couldn't jump and I wound up with really bad back issues and my knees still hurt. So with the hip thrust, you know, is your body being challenged for strength? Yes. But if we compare it to a seated good morning, the seated good morning is improving your mobility. And again, I just think it's doing a lot more bang for the buck than the hip thrust. And again, I I lived the hip thrust. I didn't get the athleticism from it. I was still prone to injury. I've lived the seated good morning, and now I never, ever, ever tweak my lower back no matter what. And 
myself and all my athletes notice you drive up the seat of good morning and your starts and your verticals just go up. But with the hip thrust, you look really good on the gram. You put up big numbers, it, but then you just don't run faster and jump higher. That's just been my experience, you know? And again, it, one of the reasons I get all these experiences is because I've basically been working like for free for years, like charging very little money in my gym and just training absolute absurd amounts of people from, you know, working hundred hour weeks just year after year. Yeah. And yeah, there's this, there's no doubt. I don't think anyone's you know, going to question that you're going to give us your, your, your best answer and that you're getting results there. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I think also like it's something that we, we talking about and trying to get across to, to the coaches quite a lot is about the strength curve as well. And, you know, if you look at that glute, you know, glute max work, if you think, if we're talking about glute max, and I think it's important that people make that distinguish of glute max and glute mean as well, because if you're looking at the booty models, they just call it glutes and they're doing yeah. this glute min work, which is a small muscle on the left part of the hip. And then you've got glute max, which is, you know, your, um, your, your hip thrust type movement, big muscles in a range versus out of range, you know, can we talk about um, training it under stretch versus, you know, squeezing it in yeah. its in a range position, you know, like there's a huge difference in what you're actually getting as a stimulus there. Um, yeah. Also, feet aren't really, uh, you know, your body position is a much less, less realistic athletic one, unless you're a wrestler or something on your back, in which case the glute bridge could be a decent thing for a jiu-jitsu guy or. Yeah. And I don't feel like it quite gets like that that eccentric component that makes a lot of exercises really effective, a, a dip, a, a chin, an incline dumbbell press and an RDL, a seated good morning, a, a split squat, even a squat, you know, with hip thrust, I feel like it's, I feel like it's more an expression of strength than something that's really going to transform your tissues. And I've also noticed a big relation with, um, you know, similar to all the banded lateral work causing groin injury. I've noticed that guys doing more hip thrusts are often the ones reaching out to me with hamstring issues. Because if you look at it, you're, you're just tightening, but you're not improving the body's ability to handle stress. So I have noticed that over and over that big time hip thrusters getting hamstring issues. Um, so again, I try to go for these lifts that I notice what, you know, looking at thousands of different feedbacks and noticing just common denominator, common denominator of healthier and performance combined, uh, you know, I, I look for lifts that make tweak free bodies and that, you know, I look for lifts that make the guys that they go out and they easily improve their sprint times, easily improve their jumps, or even if they're going for certain lift numbers, what lifts are making those easily go up and hip thrusts versus seated good morning. I've seen side by side so many times, and I've seen seated good morning, jacking that up is almost like a foolproof way to increase your squat, your deadlift and your Olympic lift especially when combined with a full range split squat, because it's getting your legs stronger. So in times when you're driving up seated, good morning, it can be tough to be concurrently working your back squat. Cause that's just then like double load on your back. So I've gone over it with you before, but I've literally taken seasoned Olympic weightlifters, six weeks of no Olympic weightlifting seated. Good morning, every single day, six days a week with one day off with split squats, every session, and then just jacking up, Astagrass squat and Olympic lifts just from that approach. Hi, Keegan. Hey, Lisa. How are you going? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. 
I don't know if there's a bunch more people on, but I wanted to tell Ben and you, we just released our shorts and we already just sold seven and they're going to go fast. Orders. I like, we don't have, have that many. I didn't even have my phone and they're just like flying in anyway. And, and, and ATG 15 is only going to my online members and, and to your guys. So if guys want a discount, just use ATG 15. Okay, cool. Yeah, I haven't even seen that pop up. Just yeah, I haven't been. Uh, on they're the, not public on the yet. I just yeah. released them to members so they can get them before they're gone. Like yeah. literally yeah. right before your phone call, I was yeah. still on the walk with the dog, and we already have orders. Like, <laughs> so I'm just excited. So I'm. I'm yeah, no, I think excited. it's gonna. Yeah, they're gonna do really well. Well done getting that. I know it's a, a huge, you know, challenge to get any kind of product to market, and I know you guys have made sure they're really high quality and you're happy with them and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. So it's awesome. I love it. I've been telling my wife that you guys are, these are coming in that as well. So she's, yeah, um, we're, we're, we're sending you a pair. Yep, loves no, she too. just loves the ideas of, uh, you know, getting, getting close together and that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it's really cool. Well done getting to that point. And yeah, I'm sure they're going to sell like, like crazy just the first batch. So yeah. Thanks brother. Yeah. All right. I'll let you go back to it. I was just so excited. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing your news. It's always good. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> So yeah, so so hip thrust, you know. Well, you need it. This, this is perfect day. timing, really, for the for the shorts conversation because you know <laughs> if you go yeah, my glute development, then then the shorts aren't quite as good or much of a win. Um, but people, yeah, people looking at this activation exercise, the glute bridge, a neurological exercise. It's not a structural exercise. It's not an anabolic exercise. It's not a, an exercise right. for building muscle muscle tissue, especially not in that functional way. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go back to. Uh, I just wanted to make that segue and make sure that you know Alyssa's timing was spot on for uh, the conversation <laughs> yeah. that we're in. Yeah, and that's that's a question I've gotten a lot. People will look at my program and be like, "Oh, you don't do any glute work or something like that." But me and my athletes are our glutes are popping out of our shorts, but it's because of dedication to those things like seated good mornings, which they they just seem to change the tissues. These full range squats and seated good mornings. I, I've just and I've intentionally used the hip thrust for months on end without the full range squats and things like that to really be able to compare. Because I also think someone could much like we talked about with the band, with the lateral hip stuff, if you're doing a good program, you could probably add hip thrust and just feel, you know, feel juiced up about it and think that they work, but are they really what's creating the product? So that's why I often, even after Charles Poliquin telling me, don't do them, they're sending people to the chiropractor. That's what he said. He told me straight up, he said, hip thrusts are going to make chiropractors rich. So I still for myself spent a summer and did not ask to grasp squat and used the hip thrust and I used isolated quad exercises. And I thought I actually had made a bunch of progress, except I couldn't jump as high at the end of summer as when I started. I was so depressed. I'd be interested for guys on the call, like what, what experience you've had with that because it is a buzz movement. I had a time in 2012 or something where I was using them as well. I think they sort of first came on the scene. Players I think that's about when I used them. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was it was around that time? It was when I was working at Catalan Dragons in France when Ben and I first kind of indirectly had contact. Um, yep. The inner range exercises in a bodybuilding sense. If you're looking at someone like John Meadows, you know what he would say would be that you would use that exercise uh, as a isometric before you did your full range of motion stuff or the stuff, you know, the things, the exercise that do oh, yeah. you know, as eccentric exercises or, or do have a stretch component to them. Because if you look at where the glute bridge is hard, it's hard at the very top 
and the very top is the very inner range of the glute, which makes it a neurological exercise. It makes it a non a non anabolic exercise. Um, but if you wanted to use that with someone who had dormant glutes before you went into your seated good mornings, before you went into your ATG lunges, I think are a great you know glute exercise that going to light up um, G Max. Um, yep. The other one I wanted to touch on there with the G Max conversation would probably be like the um, the forty five degree one because I know you. You're a pretty big fan of them. They come and go a little bit. I was bit just about to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, to kind of sum up the hip thrust, I was going to say that, you know, say somebody has had results with the hip thrust, then I would just advise them, all right, if you want to use the hip thrust, you know, finish that off with some with some RDLs or standing good mornings or seated good mornings, and that shit will probably work, right? So I was going to say that, and then I was just going to say that I use the either double leg, but often single legged back extension on a 45 degree. That's like my version of hip thrust that I found that I really like, like for the same person arguing of why they would use the hip thrust. I would agree with certain aspects of that. And my chosen method would be the single legged 45 degree back extension. I like that one the best because it still allows me to get a nice stretch at the bottom and just kind of like, I see better results when you can still relax at the bottom and get that full range but then at the top you can really overload your strength in that glute extended position and i and i've done it before and it's in a lot of standards in my programs that i say if you can't do your body weight single legged 45 degree back extension like like a peanut then you're actually missing a lot in that top extension so i've gone and i've done lots of top end speeds you know work on lasers and all kinds of stuff and i was able to get all the results and more that I wanted for that real top end part through driving up single legged back extension rather than hip thrust, which then gave for many guys even like was almost like a magic cure for back issues because the back can even build up. Your spinal erectors can end up imbalanced and you'll see guys, I can feel them or see them that the muscles are bigger on one side than the other. And so the single leg back extension, you're working on structural balance at the same time that you're working uh, on that extended position, but you're working that extended position, your, your hamstrings get stronger and your glute gets stronger and your lower back gets stronger. And even your popliteus gets stronger right behind your knee. So even for knee pain guys, that single leg back extension. So that's my, that's my tool for that extended position is single leg back extension. Yeah. And so with having the knee straight when you're doing them, it, it makes it a whole different scenario in terms of, you know, what you're getting for the hamstring, uh, what you're getting for the lower back, where the loading is with the, you know, pivoting the load being the head and the shoulders or having weight in the hands, pulling from the shoulders. It's yep. the details of movements matter. I think like people are still on this buzz of like, you know, squat, hinge, uh, lunge, push, pull. Yep. Some people have a twist or whatever. They're missing you know, a lot. Whatever. They're missing a lot. That list They're missing be, everything in athletic yeah. development and rehabilitation. Like it's not going to cut it. Like it's okay yeah. in body composition, but there's details here that make all the difference for injuries and, and, and performance. Yeah. Right. Like maybe that's uh maybe, yeah, maybe that's a, a good question to throw out. Like is, uh, is squat, squat, push, pull hinge, you know, is that all we need to do? Why is that not the answer? To me, yeah, to me, it's not the answer because the stats show that people's bodies are fucked up. 
And the number one limiter of performance is pain and injury. And so you have all these perfect world programs that don't account for most users being hampered by pains and injuries so they don't make progress. But they, they never blame the program. They just, oh, my this or my that or my physio figured out that my left digitanium is not activated compared and my foot, oh, my need insoles in my shoe and blah, blah, blah. And then I found you can get a bulletproof body just through your training without all that garbage. But that, you know, hinge, whatever, you know, three words is not enough to cover what your body does. And you're, you're just going to have imbalances. It takes out the ankle as well, right? Like even sometimes it has carry. nothing to do with the ankle. So what's that? You know, that if you find the guys who are living by that, you will find a lot of plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, shin splints, and and patella and, and knee pain. Yeah. We've got, you know, we've got Ryan on the call today who's working with speed athletes, Pat working with rugby yeah. players. You know, awesome. it's not going to cut it. Just push squat, you know, squat hinge is as yep. your lower body. If you add carry to that scenario, which some people do, like you're definitely getting closer because, you know, you, you're yep. adding some functional loading to to those that area. But you just... Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. So there are ways to make it simpler. It doesn't mean that every athlete's program has to have 20 different exercises to cover every different thing. Like you said, maybe throw in some heavy reverse sledding and farmer's walks and, and your, your team might actually stay really healthy. Yeah. So there are ways to, there are ways to still keep it simple. I, you know, they were going after simple, you know, gallon of milk, squat, deadlift, bench, and don't do anything else. The idea of simpler is I is a good idea, but they're they're just missing some things. Yeah, if that's if that's a you know forty year old male who just wants to be bigger, sweet. But if it's a nineteen year old guy who wants to play in the NFL, will probably yeah. not. You know, it's probably yeah. um, you know they might get away with it for a while. They might still you know they might need that size, etc. But. Um, and then, unfortunately, those forty-year-olds end up having knee surgeries and back surgeries and shoulder surgeries. It's just an—it's a gnarly scene. And then we almost think it's like normal to just have bodies that are totally wrecked. So, one, I would like to give the opportunity now, you guys that are on the call, if you've got something that's popping up for you here, like jump it, drop it in the, the chat box. Ask a question. I can ask questions all day, and I've got a lot of, you know, always got things on the front of my mind. We do have a question here about knee, nerve knees, actually, before I forget about this. So nerve damage rehabilitation, injury below the knee, impacting the nerve sheath, full range of motion and strength. However, loss of sensation in the big toe, and burning sensation in the lower tibialis, and uh, top of the foot in response to activity. Uh, any leads, ideas on healing nerve damage from Ash? So right off the bat, I have like I have had a few guys with nerve damage and the number one thing that helped them was really digging into tibialis work. So you have like this whole frontal chain of your foot and ankle and the front of your lower leg bone and and so for a lot of guys that whole area is just neglected. So they think that because they get back range and strength in the knee, then they're surprised or even the back side of the ankle, you know what I mean? The ankle mobility, they think why is this problem still there? So again, I mean, it, it's a human body in your specific case. I don't know, you know what I mean? Just how far that's going to go. But one thing is an absolute fact is that no human on this planet has adequately trained the ability of their foot to flex. Tibialis raises, it just hasn't really been a part of training on this planet. If it has, 
it was with a TheraBand that you're probably, you know, better off just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. So by actually strapping up a dumbbell to your foot, you can see how strong you are. So if you're listening to this, if you can't do 12.5% of your body weight for 20 reps, where you strap a dumbbell to your foot, hang it off the end of a bench with a straight leg and flex up and down with full pause, your tibialis is weak. So first thing I would say is start there because for any of those nerve damage cases I worked with, they went away through that approach. So that's the, that's the first area I would start. Good. There's some clear action to take on that. It sounds like he's ready to 12.5% of body weight for 20 reps. Yeah. Can you do that? I think the sets of 20 make more sense than the sets of 10 if you're uh, strapping the thing on and off for, for a lot of people. Exactly. And, and sets of 10 are still good. It's Your average guy is going to start – your average guy who weighs 100 kilos or, or somewhere around there is going to start with 7.5 kilo and is going to be shocked they can't get to 20. And then we'll get to 20 and then we'll do 10 kilo and get like 10 reps and then eventually build that up to 20 and then eventually get to 12 and a half and be able to do like a, like three reps or four reps. But they've already trained the area so much now that it's a little safer to go heavier. And then they, it'll, it'll build up and build up and build up. But it's just such an undertrained area. Actually, I would say probably 99.9999% of trainers have not taken their tibialis to failure through a full range of motion. So all these things that we love are dips are, you know what I mean? All these different exercises that we love, but then we're not doing that for the whole front of the shin. So it's the yin to the yang of, of all these other lifts that we're doing just for that part of the body. And it's actually, if you think about it, it's actually pretty easy considering you don't need any equipment. You just need a band and a dumbbell. You could be in a hotel gym and, and get, you know, the strongest tibialis in the world. And I think that's actually realistic for anyone listening to this to get some of the strongest tibialis in the world because no one's training it. And then again, you're going to be shocked. Me and my athlete, we just become impervious to shin splints and foot pains and all these things. They just heal pains. These don't happen because the, the tibialis is so strong. The area is mobile. It's just these things that we think are just a part of life should actually not be there. These pains and injuries that we think are just normal. Yeah. And, and what about, uh, results with using the wall version now you i know you sort of still keep that there because i love the wall version i do it honestly i do like 20 a day yeah, yeah. like just about every day of my life i absolutely love it but in beginning stages until you're strong it's hard to stand out far enough that your ankle actually does stretch down all the way so yeah. now i can stand out far enough that i do get a full ankle stretch but again the reason i was giving the tib- the dumbbell version is because it gives you an actual number to go for there so most of my athletes will do one session dumbbell versus one session wall. The wall version actually hits up under your knee more. So the wall version is one that's produced a lot of miracles for knee pain on that patella tendonitis below the knee, while the dumbbell version does hit the ankle more. So if you just look at the strength curve of it, if you look at the where it gets heavy, it, when, you're, when your leg is totally flat and your dumbbell stretches, there's more weight in that full ankle stretch on the dumbbell version but then the other way around, there's more weight in that flexed position. So now it's getting right up under the knee. Same with seated calf or standing calf. Standing is going to hit more upper. Seated is going to hit more lower. Same thing with the tibialis. Yep. Uh, 
and certainly we're going to continue to talk more about, uh, I think, as a strength coach, you want more dexterity than squat, bench, push, pull. You know, that's a squat, squat, dead, push, pull. And this is, uh, you know, just speaking about these joints that are neglected, but also understanding inner, inner hip, outer hip. Like this is where you can really make a difference uh, with people and, and, and get good results and, and iron out the imbalances that people have caused with strength training. You know, I think that was something that you, I've heard you speak about um, and maybe that's something that we can can finish with, like the way that strength training can really be a double-edged sword. You know, people yeah. be like, well, this guy hasn't even done weights and he's an awesome athlete and he doesn't get injured. Um, yeah. Why is that, you know, how does that match up for someone who's naturally not yeah. athletic? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. And so, like, I'll run it down really in a usable way so someone could just take this and put it into practice right now. So you're like, our bodies are designed a certain way. Like no matter what you believe in God or the universe or anything else, the bodies are designed a certain way. So if you go into a weight room and then you don't address certain areas and you build up other ones, completely neglecting certain areas, completely neglecting certain ranges. I've just seen that bad things happen. You develop imbalances. So say you take a a deadlift. Well, the stronger you get in that, but if you can't Jefferson curl crap, I've seen some of the strongest deadlifters actually have like career ending injuries, picking up a pencil off the floor. Isn't that wild? Because when their back is rounded, it's so weak in that position. So that's just an example. You, you can't, you can't expect to go in and adapt your body while neglecting other parts. And so I find it's just normal. People think of of foot and Achilles and shin and, and any kind of lower leg pains that's just normal. But then they're abs- if you look at their program, they're, they're trying to just jack up how much hip force they can put down with very little attention for knees and even less attention for ankles. I mean, there's really no, what's the surprise there? That's what we're at. You know, we're asking to be able to traumatize our knees and ankles. So, so I said I was going to make it usable. And where I found is that basically a combination of seated good morning and, and, and full range split squat. If you look at those two exercises, you're getting, there's not anything in a squat or deadlift that you're not covering in terms of ability. Are they tougher mobility wise? Absolutely. So you're also getting that benefit, but that also means you have to have a really good coach and you have to be progressed on them because starting off with an empty bar on these exercises, that's not where the magic happens people will feel a little better, but then they'll go, oh man, I'm not feeling as powerful. Well, yeah, no shit, because you're using an empty bar on seated good morning and split squat. So until you push those numbers towards body weight, which is basically, if you want like a double body weight ass to grass squat, I would say get a body weight, you know, perfect form, seated good morning and ass to grass split squat. So just in terms of roughly speaking, if you're not around that 100% body weight area, I'm not saying you can't go past them, more than double body weight squatters, I've gotten to more than body weight, full range, split squats and seated good mornings. So until you're in that area, you're not really doing strength training. And that's what we all agreed upon in the first place. So I kind of made a little rundown of it some time ago to, to always, it was like a checklist to determine, okay, did I set up a good program or not? And it started with, am I making the guy stronger? So I still have that same base agreement that a power lifter has. Am I making him strong? Because if I'm not making him stronger then I'm not really improving hit. Like he's not really going to get what everyone wants. And so, but now if I'm making him stronger, 
is that strength happening through a full range of motion? And then is that strength through a full range of motion? Is it balanced? And so when I got those three factors in, then I was really golden. And the final fourth factor, which for any of the guys you've seen who are, you know, for any of the guys following me, this will really resonate. That fourth factor that I then had to add in was, am I getting the athlete one stronger, two through a full of marriage motion, three balanced, and four, was I doing it on the right gradient scale for them? Meaning, okay, throw an athlete on snatch grip, podium, deadlift, great exercise, full range, blah, but it, can he actually do that with good form? And so with certain things like that, an athlete won't be, you know, an athlete who's 10% larger quad on the left, well, I could be following the, my rules, but I could be, if I'm having them just do a double-legged squat, then they're going to constantly be running into trouble. So that was the fourth part I threw in is, am I getting them stronger through a full range in a balanced manner that doesn't mess with how our body was naturally designed? And am I training each quality at a level that they can really hammer away and express their full force without pain? Yeah, that's massive. You know, I think that this it's, it is a different paradigm to just any movements will get the result and people get confused between basic body composition training for people who have no concept of movement quality or athletic performance and extrapolate that to, you know, everyone can just train this way. Like we're, no one really wants to have joint pain. So no one is really that well suited to, you know, squat, hinge, push, pull. If, if we're yep. talking about it in this way, you know, so um, that, and that's see, that, that would be an example. That program would have the first aspect of my four point checklist, but only the first, and it'll run into problems on second, third, and fourth. So find me a program with those four, and I dare you not to make results. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's massive. And I, you know, um, to wrap this call up, you know, the goal for us having you know, this call, like it's always good for me. And I think, you know, Ben gets clarity out of what he's doing as well. Our goal is to improve the standard of coaching. You know, and I think you guys that are on this call can feel, you know, if you're on the call last week as well, that, you know, there's a, there's a genuine desire here to, to improve the standards in coaching and to decrease the number of injuries out there. I don't believe that, you, you know, did you get this education when you did your university degree, when you did your master's and your PhD did you get this education when you did your UK, SCA, ASCA, whatever? Like, are, you, are people speaking about this in this sense? If they're not, you know, which I know I didn't get that education and, and I still made mistakes with this. Like, um, Sonny Bill Williams snapped his Achilles at the 2016 Olympics. I hadn't worked with him for a couple of years, but I don't think that would have happened if I'd have had this education before that, you know what I mean? Like, so I feel responsible for him missing a season and, um, you know, not being able to do what he wanted to do there at the Olympics. Um, and there's, you know, there's a number of those cases and then, you know, my pain and my um, you know, learnings, regret, whatever. But, you know, with life goes on, with the, I'm 36 and there's an opportunity over the next 10, 20 years to change the paradigm in strength training and to, to not have so many kids go through what Ben and I went through and, and maybe you as well. Like I don't know everyone on this call stories, but chances are you probably had overuse injuries and surgeries and, and crap that could have been avoided, you know, by, by this. So it, it's, it's both like, it's that elite performance where you actually go and get to, you know, athletic where your athletic ability doesn't get in the way of your, you know, your selections. 
or, or supports you to be selected, but also to, to avoid the pain and the surgeries. Like this is yep. can't overstate how much how valuable I feel this information is and how neglected it is. You want to? I don't know if yeah. you have any closing thoughts for us there, Ben. I mean, that, yeah, that was just going to be my closing thing. Was like I spent tens of thousands of dollars on trainers, and just none of them had any kind of solution for me. Things such as you know the main thing for my knees foam rolling that was it and they're like all right we're just not going to do legs and you're going to foam roll i mean it, it was a joke and then anything that i had tendonitis they would just shorten and avoid the range which is then what causes the tendonitis in the sport to begin with when you can't handle that range and then you know it, then when i train guys now <laughs> every guy coming to me in, in the basketball and football world which are the you know and even baseball, it's just, it's rough. I feel bad for these guys. Trained a baseball player. He got drafted, million-dollar signing bonus at 17 years old. Goes out to his team. They will not allow him to do full range. They only allow him to do partial range. Has lost speed because he was not a good genetic guy. Like, we had to work hard to get him fast. He, he wasn't naturally fast. He didn't naturally have healthy shoulders. Um drafted to major league baseball million dollar signing bonus at 17 years old now the guy's on painkillers cortisone shots they don't let him do any full range it's it's brutal and i've had i had an nba player sent to me this offseason and his shoulder was so bad he couldn't play in the games for his nba team and so he got cut by the team and that's when he was sent to me and when i found out how he hurt his shoulder it's because they were doing bench press and they wouldn't lower the weight for anybody. So if you can't do the weight all the way to your chest, you just go down as far as you can. He injures his shoulder. And then the trainer says he had a pre-existing condition that would have happened anyways. It wasn't the trainer's fault. And then the only thing they gave him to fix it, painkillers, shots, and pushups, more partial range, not full range pushups, pushups. And I got him here and all I progressed him to was band pull-aparts, external rotations, Powell raises, so everything opposite. And then I gradually got him into nice full range push-ups. This was in a weekend. And he said it was the best his shoulders felt since the injury. And, and he was absolutely just pissed off with the whole system. And this guy, this was a guy who barely made it into the NBA, had his brief chance and got cut out. Super talented guy, but here's a guy who probably will now never see. And, and he was just sent to me by his agent. Who's not even the agent's not even connected with me anymore. I probably will never see this guy again. This guy who had his NBA shot, who had his chance at his dreams will likely never see them because of some idiot. He was actually playing well in the games, some idiot trainer who made him bench press something. He couldn't bench press partial range and then, and then blamed it on him that it was a pre-existing condition. So yeah, I get, I get fumed up and that's honestly what, what drives me every day is because I wish for myself and I wish for my athletes, we had some damn good trainers. It's the truth, right? Like, and it's, yeah, you can see the emotion from Ben, but like, I guarantee you there are hundreds of people in your suburb, in, in your city that are in the same situation. They might not all have NBA contracts on the line. Yeah, but there's so many people going through all sorts of pain, getting you know injected painkillers. You know, we work with you know I've mentioned it before, but we work together with Linen from Full Energy No Drugs. The opioid yep. addiction stuff is out of control, and and a lot of it 
does start with chronic pain from shit that doesn't yep. need to, you know, people don't need to have. Like, yeah. So it's, you know, it is important for us to get really good at what we do here and to apply that, you know, apply it to yourself, apply it to the world. Um, yeah. There's huge opportunity with this at the moment, you know, and the opportunity is getting much bigger. You know, it's getting much bigger for Ben. You can see his audience growing, you know, exponentially. Real Movement audience is also growing on, on the back of that. I've got some really, really exciting news for, for the whole community uh, coming in, the, in the next week or two, you know, which I think Aye. is going to have a huge impact on, you know, our credibility and, and the, you know, the reach that we have as well. So my advice, you know, everyone who's listening to this or on live, like apply this stuff, get better at it, you know, live it and breathe it and experience it for yourself. It's not enough to know. You have to actually know how you have to, experience it and embody it that's when it becomes wisdom is when you actually feel like oh yeah this is working and i've had that with you know this work with with atg and obviously ben has i haven't had it to the same extent yet but that's because i haven't done as much work yet you know and that's um yeah that i think that's the biggest take home um, that i would love for people to have so appreciate you uh appreciate your time again today ben and uh looking forward always always love being on the next week all right. Thanks. Thanks for jumping on, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. All right. So that's it for today. What was your biggest take-home? Reflect on this. Don't just jump from podcast to podcast without changing your life. We want this to change your life. That's why Real Movement is set up as a daily system of accountability, face-to-face events. This is something real. This is not just transfer of knowledge. This is transfer of experience and the inciting of wisdom. Wisdom comes from applied knowledge it comes from experience and then you get to a point where you can really get out there and change the world and you can see it's taken Ben a long time to get to where he is today I've been chasing and playing in this game for 20 years now and I still feel like there's a lot I can learn I still put myself into positions that uh, require me to make big adjustments change learn I've got some huge announcements coming up on the real movement side we have got our affiliate program coming online working Directly now with Brando Hasek, uh, one of our most successful students who now has two thriving facilities in the heart of Sydney, and we're offering the business support that no one's ever offered, where we actually help to improve the quality of your coaching for you, you know, every coach inside of the facility, quality of your programming, as well as business systems. So right through from Facebook marketing uh, to onboarding processes to a whole systems manual. So you actually have a legitimate business from start to finish you know a lot of the people that we work with they start as coaches and then they become business owners and their lack of ability to be a great business owner gets in the way of their passion we don't want that to happen anymore we want to set up a global network of world-class facilities and that is what we are determined to do we've been in this process for a number of years now but this is the best position we've ever been in Uh, this is something different to anything that's out there it's different Um, level of support, level of community. We actually get together with you face-to-face. We're on calls with you on a regular basis. This is a thing with heart. Uh, It's a thing that's been used at the highest level. You know, it's been used with uh, NRL teams. Some of the best athletes in the world are using these training systems. NBA, NFL, NRL athletes are using these systems. But the great thing is that they scale down in an excellent way to re you know, to Bring back the athletic ability of anyone who walks through your door. This is working very, very well with 80-year-olds as it is with you know youth athletes. So I don't believe you're going to get uh, better access to a training system, access to a better training system, a better community, or a real 
down-to-earth business support system like this one. Reach out, get involved. It's very simple. There's a low barrier to entry. You can test it out, dip your toe in the water. If it's for you, if you're a good fit for our community, then you know you may just end up running a seven-figure performance facility uh, like Brando Hasek and some of the other community that we work with. Changing lives, living your dreams. That's what it's all about. Looking forward to hearing from you. Looking forward to the next episode. If you want to see more of these episodes, make sure you reach out to Ben and say thank you. And uh, we'll do our best to continue to share this new paradigm in performance that's making so much impact on athletes' lives and can go way, way beyond the athletic community. 